So I was like totally bugging. You're like really pretty. What, like it's hard? Hi, everybody, and welcome back to She's Just a Girl, the podcast where us girlies are just hanging out, talking about life, and having fun. Is anybody else's allergies like kicking their ass right now? I feel like I've gone all summer without having my allergies, and now they're just fucking killing me. And so I'm sorry if I sound stuffy or if I sniffle or anything like that. I'm going to try my hardest not to. But if I do, I'm either A, crying, or B, it's my allergies. <laughs> Today's episode is pretty heavy. Today I'm going to be talking about childhood trauma and how it affects us in adulthood, as well as some ways that I've coped with my childhood trauma and how I'm working on not recreating that trauma in my relationship in my life, anything like that. So like I said, this episode's going to be heavy. So just prepare for that. And let's talk about it. So we should probably define what exactly is childhood trauma. So I googled it, of course, and I scrolled through a bunch of different articles. And I'm like, a very research based person. Like, I don't want to sound like an idiot and like I don't know what I'm talking about. So I found a peer-reviewed article and childhood trauma is a series of events experienced by a child that evokes fear and is commonly violent, dangerous, or life-threatening. And more than two-thirds of children report experiencing at least one traumatic event by age 16. And these traumatic events can include psychological, physical, or sexual abuse, or witnessing or experiencing domestic violence. I know that was like super like definition based, but I wanted to get the stats and uh, a definition that sounded appropriate for some of the experiences I've gone through. Now, I'm also... I'm kind of scared for this episode because I'm going to be very vulnerable and talk about some of my experiences. So if any of my family's listening, I'm not saying anything that is not true. So just be mindful of that. And I also don't necessarily want to blame one parent or the other. So I'm going to be talking in very like broad terms of like my parents. So just Just bear with me. And again, family, if you're listening to this, this is not like slander or anything like that, because everything that I'm about to say is true. But anyways, children do not understand trauma. Understanding these events that we go through is too complex for children to to make sense of, because we don't have the life experience that we do right now to know that that shit is not right and that we shouldn't be experiencing this. We should be having a happy and supported childhood. I feel like one thing that I really experienced is trauma can lead you down like a rabbit hole 
of self-blame. Like, I remember I used to always think, like, it's my fault that my parents are fighting or I'm a burden on my family somehow. Like, I always felt like whatever I went through was my fault and that I deserved any punishment or experiencing the things that I did. Like, it it was my fault, which is so fucked up because I, you know, as a young kid, like, it's not your fault that your parents are fucked up. It's their parents' fault why they're so fucked up. It's and that's another thing right it's generational like I don't want to defend my parents negative habits I guess for lack of a better word but it all stems from the shit that they went through as kids so recognizing that I think I don't it takes some or no not it takes I think it creates an explanation that now as an adult, I can understand. And of course, the trauma that children experience always pretty much has negative consequences. As we, you know, go from children to adolescents to young adults to adults, it really fucks with our self-identity and lessens our feelings of stability and safety and not feeling safe like in our own bodies and I feel like it also leads you down a path of experiencing difficulty like actually processing and handling your emotions especially like for me right I I've always been told that I'm too emotional that I'm too sensitive that I'm too much when it comes to my feelings and as an adult it fucks with me and it fucks with my coping mechanisms because I, I feel like if I just don't say anything, then I'm not going to be labeled as too sensitive or too emotional. I think that the most efficient way to describe like how our trauma affects us as adults is through our attachment styles. And that really takes a toll on your mental health and the ability to form like healthy and satisfying relationships. And again, it fucks with your sense of self-worth. Now, if you don't know what attachment styles are, there's four different types of attachment. There's secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. And I'm going to give y'all like a brief overview of each of those attachment styles. That way you can get a better, better understanding of your attachment style. And then I'll share with you mine. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can guess. But yeah, so let's, let's dive into those. The first one, secure attachment, is the ability to form healthy and long-lasting relationships. And this is because when you were a child, you felt secure with your parents and you were able to ask for reassurance or validation or I guess both of those without punishment or that fear of punishment. In a nutshell, like you felt safe and understood and valued during your early interactions with your parents. and. I guess it's like 
the stereotypical like picture perfect family, right? The second attachment style is avoidant. And basically avoidant attachment styles is a failure to build long-term relationships with others and an inability to engage in emotional and physical intimacy with a partner. And in childhood, this can stem from having strict or, I guess, like distant emotionally parents and like absent parents. And this also can result from like your parents expecting you to fend for yourself, to be independent at a young age and rejecting you from like when you tried to express your emotional needs or I guess any like any needs really the third attachment style is anxious attachment and to sum that up it involves fears of abandonment and a fear of being rejected and really like relying on your partner for validation and regulating your emotions. And where this stems from is inconsistent parenting and your parents really not acknowledging your needs. And your parents might have made you feel responsible responsible for how they felt. And alternated between being super loving and affectionate to being detached or like indifferent towards you and the fourth and final attachment style is disorganized attachment and this means having really inconsistent behavior and a finding it difficult to trust others. And where this stems from is, I guess, like to sum it up, childhood trauma, you know, neglect especially. And I, the biggest one is a fear of your parents. And this not having this sense of safety with your parents and what right whether that's emotional emotionally safe or physically safe or like your basic needs were going to get met i know that that first little bit of the episode is like super research based and hopefully i didn't come across as like sounding like a robot and like i'm just spitting information back at you but again i wanted to clearly define all of those things That way, there's no bias on my part, and I'm not relaying information that is not correct or accurate. And I feel like by doing that, that we're all on the same page here, right? And there's no confusion. So with that being said, I want to get really vulnerable (laughs) with you all and share some of my experiences from childhood. So (laughs) I'm like mentally preparing for that right now. And I'm going to try my hardest not to cry. But if I do, like, I know y'all aren't going to judge me. (laughs) So let's get into that. 
so since I was just on the topic of attachment styles, I think it's appropriate to share my attachment style and what led to that. So my attachment style is definitely anxious. And again, right, this relates to fears of being abandoned or fear of being rejected and a difficulty being alone and also highly sensitive to being criticized. So basically where that stems from with me is my parents divorced when I was five. And when I was that young, I couldn't process why my dad left, you know, why my parents weren't together and why I went to live with my mom and I only saw my dad every so often. Like, I couldn't process that. So in my mind, my dad just left me, which, like, I know is not the case 100%, but that's how it registered in my mind. So I definitely do have that fear of abandonment. And I've noticed this in my, you know, romantic relationships. Granted, I only have had two, but I go through these periods where I am so afraid of being left that I constantly seek validation and reassurance, especially from my boyfriend that I have now. And I've explained all of this to him, like why I need that. and. He's ve- he's very understanding, but I catch myself, you know, I'll I'll ask him, I'll be like, "Do you still love me?" or like things like that. I just need that reassurance that I'm the person that my partner wants to be with and that he really does love me and is not going anywhere. And at at times it gets and I can tell it gets annoying to him. And not annoying in the sense that, like, he doesn't want to answer those questions. Like, annoying in the sense that I'm asking for that shit, like, every day. And I know in the back of my mind that these fears are just in my head. And, like, there's no sign that my boyfriend is going to leave me. You know? There's, n- there's nothing wrong in our relationship to the point where he would just call it quits. Because I know I definitely am not going to leave this man. Like I said, I'm going to marry this man. And I've told him that several times. (laughs) But just the thought of being left fucks with me. And I feel like it's also affected me. And this might be a really weird thing that, that it like, honestly, it really doesn't make sense in my mind. But I hate endings. Like, the thought of anything ending really scares me because in some way it feels like you're getting abandoned. If that makes, like, any sense, I know that's kind of, like, reaching. But, like, for example, my favorite show ever is Broad City. And when I found out that the fifth season was going to be the last season, I put off watching that fucking season for three years because I didn't want it to be over like I don't know it's so fucking weird and it's so hard to explain but I do not like things ending and I guess like right in my relationship 
I don't want that to end, so I'm afraid of that. Maybe that translates. I don't know. I think that my attachment style really stems from being made to feel like my feelings were invalid because I was always told, right, other people have it worse than you. And uh, like you can't compare how you're feeling in that moment because like I'm sure, right, there are people that genuinely have it worse than me. Like I always had a home. I was always fed, like things like that. But emotionally, like I needed to express that. And having your feelings invalidated and being told that you're too sensitive, like imagine pointing at a child right now who's crying and saying, you need to stop crying because you shouldn't be sad. Like that's so fucked up. Like imagine saying that to a five-year-old you. Like how would you feel? I also think that my parents were extremely hot and cold. Like, I never knew where I stood with them. And I felt like if I just didn't talk or didn't engage with my parents, that I couldn't upset them. And I wouldn't make them angry or have them yell at me. And I'm not sure if I've mentioned this yet, but when I was a kid, I used reading as an escape because one, it was an escape from reality and put me somewhere where I felt safe. And then two, it was a way that I avoided getting in trouble or getting scolded, you know, yelled at, punished, anything like that, because I always figured. If my nose was in a book and I was just sitting there being quiet, then I couldn't upset anybody. And I, I, I would take my books to birthday parties, to any family gathering. Because again, if I just sat there and didn't talk, there was no way I was going to make any tension in the family or make any situation worse. And you know, it fucks with you when one minute your parents want to be engaged with you and talk about your day or, you know, talk about what you learned in school that day. And then the next minute, they want nothing to do with you and they want to be alone. And like reflecting back on this, as a kid, right? Like, I couldn't understand that my parents, might have been feeling big feelings also and feeling like overwhelmed and they just needed some alone time. You know, like I, I couldn't register that as a kid. Now I can, I can look back and understand 100% where they're coming from. However, when you're a kid, it just feels like they don't want to talk to you and you made them upset and it, it fucks with you so hard because your parents are supposed to be there for you all the time, right? Like, I think that's like the whole job of being a parent is supporting your child and shaping them. And as a kid, you can't, you like, you don't get that when your parents don't want to be involved with you. 
Now I want to segue into more of the abuse and neglect that I felt as a child. And I'm not going to sit here right now and claim that I was like horribly abused or neglected like I went without things. And like that wouldn't be fair to my parents to say that. However, I'm not going to take away from the shit that they did do. You know, like I feel like when you do that, it's almost like undermining your trauma and not recognizing it for what it really was. And one thing my therapist and I have been talking about is it's okay to acknowledge the shitty things that your parents have done. Like while you want to have grace for your parents, of course, right? Like th- that, those are your parents. You can do that and also acknowledge the bad things that they did or the, the bad behaviors that they experienced or exhibited, I guess is a better word. Now, this is going to be a very controversial opinion of mine. Like, I know that not everybody is going to agree with how I feel about this, but I definitely want to talk about the difference between spanking and abuse. I personally do not believe in physically punishing your child. Like, I I don't want children, but if I did, uh, and I've talked to the like to my boyfriend about this, if we were to ever have children, there would be no spanking or slapping or hitting. And I feel this way because both of my parents did that to me, you know, like. I know it sounds like really stereotypical, but like, you know, the whole like Mexican mom with a chancla, like that kind of thing. That was reality for me. Like, I got spanked with everything and anything a chancla, a wooden spoon, a remote, a belt, my dad's hand, like all of it. And ultimately, getting physically punished did nothing for me but make me afraid of my parents. And I'm not going to say that sometimes I didn't deserve to be disciplined, but I remember very vividly an experience I had in sixth grade where my brother and I were both spanked. And like for me this was nothing normal or sorry nothing abnormal you know like it was very common to get spanked whenever we got in trouble but this time was way different i a few days later i had noticed that my thighs and my butt were covered in bruises and you could very clearly see like where the belt was because the lines were like maybe like an inch or so apart from each other. And I told my mom, oh shit. So I guess I just kind of gave that away. It was my dad, you know, that spanked me, but I told my mom 
And then when I went to school the next day, I got called into the nurse's office where, you know, she was super friendly and made the small talk, made me trust her, all those kinds of things. And then she brought up that she knew that I had bruises on my butt and my legs. And she asked if she could see them. And right as a kid, how old was I in? What are you, like 10, 11, whatever in sixth grade? Like, I didn't think anything was wrong with that. And, of course, like, you know, I showed her. And I remember getting pictures taken of the bruises. And when I went home from school that day, there was a bunch of cars, cop cars, all of that. I walk into the house. And I'm told by some stranger that I need to go to the kitchen table and I have to answer some questions. And I was like fucking scared because I was like, what the fuck are cops doing at my house? What do they want to talk to me about? And of course they brought it up, right? It was DFS. It was the cops, all that. And I was asked why I was hit, if it was normal to get hit like that, if I felt safe in my home, if. I if I was afraid of my my dad and it's hard because as a kid I I didn't want my dad to get in trouble and I'm not going to say I lied to them but I definitely withheld some truths from the authorities and again I I was so afraid of getting my dad in trouble and then that would result into me getting into more trouble and getting hit even more or punished even more, you know, grounded for however long. And it would, that experience, like just talking about it makes me think about how afraid of my, my dad I was. And I, we don't have a relationship anymore. Like, I, I haven't spoken to him in three years. Well, I guess kind of. Like, he, you know, he'll message me right now and again. I Super short responses. But anyways, um, there's no relationship there. I feel like our relationship ended a long, 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 long time ago. And, yeah, I don't know. That's really hard to talk about. But looking back, like, that was some fucked up shit. That was some fucked up shit that I did not deserve or any child ever deserves. And like I said, I'm not going to sit here and act like, woe is me. Like I was this horribly abused kid who, you know, was deprived of basic needs. Like that's, that couldn't be farther from the truth. But I, I can't not acknowledge the shitty shit that I was put through, physically at least. Now I want to get into the topic of neglect. I wasn't neglected in the sense that I was not getting my basic needs met, like food and shelter and like those kinds of things. But I do feel like my parents were emotionally neglectful. Now, like what that means is your parents don't necessarily meet your emotional needs. And like I've mentioned before, I was always labeled as being too sensitive or too emotional or too much. 
And that in itself was disregarding the way that I was feeling and making it feel like it wasn't important. And another way that you can be emotionally neglected as a child is being exposed to domestic violence, which I was exposed to when I was pretty young. Like I'd say like five is when I can remember it. And not it wasn't necessarily always physical, but my house was always a house of yelling and, you know, slamming doors and silent treatments and, and all of that. And it was really toxic. And I would just hide in my room because I didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to hear it. I, I, you know, I would just try to keep my little brother distracted from it. And that really, like, I took on a parental role super early. Like, I was forced to grow up at a really young age, which sucks because you're getting deprived of a normal fucking childhood. And emotional neglect affects your sense of self, your, your ability to trust other people, and really fucks with also, like, building healthy relationships. And, I, you know, as a kid, my, my dad was military, so it was a very strict household. And whenever, you know, anything would happen, like where I was feeling emotional and crying and stuff like that, I was always told to toughen up and man up, like shit like that. And that really fucked me up because, again, like looking back, I'm a human feeling normal fucking feelings and expressing them the way that you're supposed to express them like a natural bodily function to cry and I wasn't allowed to feel those feelings which like fuck again it fucked with me and just made me not even want to talk about my feelings and I've carried that over into adulthood because when I'm feeling emotional or upset, or disappointed, anything like that, my way of coping with that is to shut down and to not talk. And that's toxic in itself because there's times where I could be upset about work or family shit and, you know, I'll come home to my boyfriend and I just don't talk. And I come off like a fucking bitch because I'm, I'm just so pissed off and I don't want to talk about anything because I feel like if I do talk about it, that I'm going to be labeled again, just like I was as a kid, as too emotional and not being able to express those feelings or comprehend them. And shutting down, like shutting your partner out is so toxic because it just leads to this feeling of tension and like you don't trust your partner to support you in the way that you need to be supported. And it, it creates this toxic energy where both of you can feel it. And like, it, it, like for example, like I, I came home pissed off one day about shit that was happening with work and moving and all of that. 
And I shut down and my boyfriend like didn't even want to talk to me. And I couldn't blame him because I didn't want to talk to him. And then when I was finally ready to talk, it was like, what the fuck was that? You know? And it makes you think about all these negative ways that your trauma has like sprung forth in your adult years and you have to reflect back on that to overcome it right I think that's like about (laughs) it when it comes to what I want to share right now because reflecting on those past experiences took a lot and in a way was kind of draining emotionally for me and so we'll definitely dive into more childhood trauma later throughout this podcast like I definitely want to have my sister on here to talk about it but let's focus on the way that I'm overcoming this trauma now and you know, like reflect on how it's fucked with me and my ability to to build the healthy relationships and to trust people. And I want to talk about how I've worked on myself to be able to do these things. So I guess we'll we'll, we'll segue into that direction. I think the best thing, not the best thing, one of the best things that I have done in my adult life is going to therapy. Now, as an adult, I haven't gone to therapy very much. I think the first time I went to therapy as an adult was right before I had started my transition and when I was dealing with my medical trauma and trying to figure out who I was. And then I didn't go back to therapy until this year, but it's definitely helping Because it makes you talk about the things that you don't want to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, and that's essentially what therapy is. It's a conversation with yourself. It's a professional guiding you to have that conversation with yourself and to talk about these things that you've buried down because you don't know how to deal with them. And it it, it involves reliving your trauma in a way and recognizing it for what it is and recognizing it as trauma and shit that you shouldn't have ever been exposed to and it also is teaching me how to regain control of my life like right now while yes I did just share some of those traumatic experiences that I had as a kid I refuse to let that make me portray myself as a victim. And it really motivates me to be better than my parents. And I don't mean better in like the sense of, you know, like success, but being a better person and being gentle and kind and forgiving. And creating a peaceful household. I think I've mentioned before that I 
like in my relationship right now in the house that we share, there is no yelling. There's no slamming doors there, you know, other than when I'm overwhelmed and I shut down, there's no silent treatments. And I'm working on that because my my boyfriend and I have had many conversations about about it. And he's very understanding, right? But he's helping me recognize that that is not a healthy coping mechanism and that he is always here to support me whenever I'm feeling these feelings. I think another thing that therapy is really helping me understand is learning the true meaning of acceptance and letting go of the past. Now, letting go doesn't necessarily mean like, poof, it's gone. It's not holding on to the bad memories and letting the past dictate the way that your life is currently in the present. And I've talked to my therapist about this. When you let it go, it, it can still come back, right? Because it's grief. You are still, in some way, always going to grieve that part of your life. And that's okay, but you have to recognize it for what it is, which is grief. I've also learned how to replace the bad habits with good habits. And I I keep bringing it up, but the biggest bad habit that I have taken from my trauma is shutting down. And the way I'm replacing that is by really processing my emotions and putting into words exactly how I feel. Because I have to talk about it if I want to move past it. Obviously, the biggest bad habit that I have replaced is being sober. Like, I was using alcohol to drown my problems and to bury them even deeper, which short term feels good, right? Because you, it's a short term fix. And when you're sober, you have to deal with it. And I feel like by dealing with it, while it does fucking suck at times, it helps you grow and move past it. So rather than drowning out those negative feelings and feeling them, I feel so much better about moving past all the shit that I've gone through. Besides therapy, another way that I've really started to overcome my trauma is realizing that I wouldn't be the person that I am today if I never experienced what I've gone through. And I'm not saying that what I went through is okay or justified by any means. But realizing that, you know, I wouldn't be who I am helps me realize that I can rise above it and I can use the trauma to become the adult that I want to be and the person that I want to be, you know? I I want to be a, a very empathetic person and a kind person and somebody who people can come to with their problems 
And I'm not, I'm not going to ever judge them for that. And another thing also, kind of on top of that, but it's clearing my head of any beliefs that are not my own. Right? Like, I was always told, again, to not be emotional and not express how I'm feeling. And, you know, also taught, like, failure is not an option and things like that. And when you look really deep inside yourself, you you realize that those aren't your own beliefs, that those were the beliefs that were passed on to you because they were your parents' beliefs. And just because your parents believe in those things so strongly doesn't mean that you have to agree with them. And, you know, one thing that I really think about is like my coming out. Because I remember at a very young age, I think I was like five or six, I remember my dad very explicitly saying that being gay was wrong and it was bad and, you, you know, like something you shouldn't be. So when it, ta- like when it came time for me to come out the first time as being gay, I didn't want to tell my parents. I was so scared of what they were going to say. And granted, right, like they both told me that they already knew and it wasn't a shock to them. And for the most part, I was pretty accepted as I was, which like, that's great. But it all ties back into, right, like I was afraid of my parents and I was afraid of how they were going to respond. And then when I came out the second time, I remember just hearing negative things about people who were transgender and hearing slurs about people that were transgender. You know, and it's like one of my mom's favorite shows growing up was Maury and like Jerry Springer. And, you know, those shows are just so fucking wild. And they would always do those like, is it a man or is it a woman? You know, they would do things like that. So I had a very negative association with my parents and reacting to trans people. So coming out the second time, I was definitely scared. I was I had started my transition in February of 2017 and I didn't publicly come out with it to my parents until my 20th birthday, which is in July. So I had been that's, you know, five months of me transitioning and I didn't tell my parents because I was so afraid of how they were going to react to it. I know that the shit I just talked about is heavy and I know that we have all experienced trauma in some way. Even if you had the perfect childhood, you still had some trauma there. And if you didn't, I'm very fucking jealous of you. <laughs> like, I, I wish I knew what that was like. But I firmly believe that we have to share our stories to be able to break the generational curses and become the change that we want to see in the world. And by sharing your trauma and how you've overcome it and, you know, your life stories, you can help inspire other people to do their own healing. And that's what I'm trying to do with this podcast. I want to inspire you to take control of your life and to not let your past define who you are now. Thank you so much for being here. I 
appreciate every single one of you listening to this podcast. And I wasn't sure how I felt about being vulnerable on a public platform. Like when I was creating my outline for this episode, I remember just, I would tell my boyfriend, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, is this the right thing to do? Is this, should I talk about this? You know, are people going to find this relevant or am I going to come off like, oh, woe is me? But again, I know that I have to share my stories to be able to help people grow, to help inspire other people to grow. Make sure that you are following all of the podcast socials and my socials. Everything is linked in the podcast description. And please, 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 please share this podcast with your friends and family. Again, the biggest way that podcasts grow is through word of mouth. And this podcast has grown so much in the short time that it's been up. You know, I think it's been what, like almost two weeks. And I want it to grow so much more. And like, it's crazy. I've already reached over 500 listens across the four episodes that I've already published. And that to me has like exceeded the goals that I have set for myself for this and the early stages. So again, thank you. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in every week. And I feel like I've been talking about a lot of heavy shit. You know, we've talked about eating disorders and alcoholism and sobriety and now now trauma and abuse. So for the next few episodes, I kind of want to take a step back from like the heavy shit and let's just have fun. Let's talk about the girly things. Um, I'm publishing my first ever bonus episode and that's going to be uploaded literally five minutes after this one is uploaded. And it's me talking with you all about the Barbie movie. I saw Barbie a few weeks ago and I have not stopped thinking about it. And I figured what a what a good time to talk about it, right? It wasn't in my original schedule of episodes that I was going to publish, but I want to lighten the mood here and I want to just have fun with you all. So again, thank you so much for listening and thank you for your time. And I'll talk to you next week.